0: Thank you to everyone that has tuned in thus far. The hustle and grind continues as we're now into season two of 52 Weeks of Hustle. I've had such a great time sitting down with industry leaders. Thank you to the leaders and for all the listeners and your continued support. In addition, thank you for everyone that has supported the book, Hustle Your Way to Success in Sports Sales, a playbook to being elite in the sports business industry. It's available on Amazon in ebook, paperback, and audio versions. Be sure to check out 52weeksofhustle.com. Enjoy this week's episode. Welcome to 52 Weeks of Hustle. I'm Travis Apple and I'll be your host of this podcast. I've been fortunate to spend my entire career in the sports sales industry. And I wanted the opportunity to give back, to give back to those individuals that want to get in this business, or for those individuals that are in this business that want to continue to excel at an elite level. For those of you who know me, hustle has always been important, hence the name. Each week, I'm gonna have the opportunity to sit down with industry professionals to talk about their career path, what it takes to be successful. And ultimately, a few key takeaways for you to apply to your every day. Without further ado, our guest this week. This individual has had to overcome many different obstacles in his life, including being diagnosed with stage two cancer, which helped him realize his true passion, which got him into the sports business. He has now had an amazing career and is coming off a Super Bowl championship. I'm excited to have Dino and Agnes, vice president of sales for the Tampa Bay Bucs. Dino, welcome to the show.
1: Thanks, Travis. Happy to be here.
0: You know, very excited to have you and help share your story to the listeners. First, in sales, there are a lot of ups and downs and hurdles you have to overcome, and we'll certainly discuss that on the professional side. However, first, let's talk personally. At the age of 26, you were diagnosed with stage 2 testicular cancer. Walk us through
1: that time in your life. Yeah, so, you know, I think back then I, I was – I was selling and writing television commercials for an NBC station, and it was right near Flint, Michigan. And I was probably in the best shape of my life. Um, but I think more importantly, at the time, I was like the team captain and MVP of being mediocre. Um, I didn't have really any idea what personal excellence meant to me. Um, I was constantly comparing myself to those around me. And if I was doing like just as good as my friends, I was fine with it. You know, even though, you know, I know I wasn't really giving um, the very best of myself to be the, the best version of myself I could have been.
0: No, that's fair. That's fair. And and I know in talking to you in the past, you know, going through everything helped you put a new perspective on life. And, you know, to that point of like making sure you're giving it your all. And one part of that perspective was, was to ultimately do what you're passionate about and that was working sports. And so as you're going through treatments and, and going through that time in your life, when did it actually dawn on you that, Hey, you know, this is my passion. So, you know,
1: I, I think right. It was like right away. Um, You know, by the time I had gotten home from the doctor's office getting diagnosed uh, with testicular cancer, um, you know, my poor mother had already found out and she was sobbing and scared and hugging me. And I was like, I just need to kind of get away. Um, And I, I remember I went into the bathroom and I had a good like 15 minute stare down slash kind of freak out in the mirror conversation with myself. And I started to think like, what if this kills me? You know, what if I die? Um, And I think that was the first time in my life where I actually went in detail and thought about my own funeral. Um, And I started to think about what would people say at my funeral? Um, And up until that point in my life, you know, people would have said, Dino's a fun loving guy. He's super sweet. He, you know, he was a really like, really fun to go to bars with. Um, and nothing would have been about what I had accomplished in my life or more importantly, like how I helped other people. Um, and I legit walked out of the bathroom that moment, like a completely different person. Um, and I was really mad at what little I had done with my life. Um, and I was on fire to change it. And that was really starting me to really look at, okay, what am I doing with my career? And am I doing what I'm passionate about? Right.
0: No, absolutely. And you know, I I know a lot of listeners are sitting out there and, and they're probably thinking, okay, what is my passion? And maybe they don't have to go through some of the obstacles you had to on the personal end, but what's your advice to listeners to, to make them really sit down and think, Hey, go do what you're passionate about and follow your dreams.
1: You know, I think it, it really start, it really helps to start with the end in mind. Um, you know, I tell people this all the time. You are going to die. Um, we waste yeah. so much time on crap that doesn't matter. I kind yeah. of look at it like, you know, you're writing a book about your life. We can't all write awesome sales books like you, Travis. But, <laughs> you know, uh, like... You know, how many pages in your book are going to be you scrolling through Instagram, you know, or, you know, not doing what you said you were going to do or, you know, not finishing that book you started to read. Um, You know, I'm a big believer that, you know, we leave these small footprints on the world and our legacies, big or small, are everlasting. Um, So you got to go make that book a good one and leave as many positive, um, little footprints as you can. Well, you've
0: certainly left a lot of positive footprints, certainly on the professional side, which we'll dive into, and, and definitely on the personal side as well. And, you know, every year you continue to get involved with the cancer society, you go on and, and shave your head for fundraising. So tell everyone more about that and how anyone can help you'll know, here in the upcoming year.
1: So, you know, when I was getting my, um, treatments, you know, I would see these little kids who are going through, you know, way harsher stuff than I was. And I remember looking at their poor parents, you know, they just look so sad and exhausted. Um, And it just, you know, innocent kids having to go through that is just terrible to see. Um, And I just thought it was unfair. And, you know, the Buccaneers for years were involved with the National Pediatric Cancer Foundation, which is headquartered in Tampa, and they do the Cut for the Cure campaign with the players and staff. Um, And then one year they opened it up, you know, for the business staff to get involved. And I, uh, I really jumped, jumped all over it. Um, And over the past, you know, few years, I've been able to raise over $100,000. And, you know, it's incredible because Well, and because of the sensitive nature of just COVID and how weakened, um, the immune system is when you're going through treatments, you know, we've had to put, um, kind of a pause on that. And, you know, I don't have any definitive plans yet on how, um, people can help this year, but once I do, I'll make sure I let everyone know. And, you know, me, I'm going to hit you up Travis for, for that all that
0: book money you made always happy to help, always happy to help. Well, certainly Dino appreciate your vulnerability and transparency there. And, you know, onto the the professional standpoint, when you, you got to your passion, you got to your dream and you know, in the sports world. And we've talked a lot about this. You don't always necessarily work for good teams, you know, on the court or on the field. And last year was the first time in your career, you make the playoffs and you obviously ended, ended it holding the Lombardi trophy. So first, what a fairy tale ending, you know, to the season and to everything going through. You know, walk us through Super Bowl Day.
1: You know, I'll start actually before the day. Um, you know, the NFC Championship game uh, was, it, was at Lambeau Field. So historic stadium, you know, in the snow. Um, I, I was able to get some tickets and I took my brother, Tom, to the game. Um, and, you know, once we clinched that game, it was like, I mean, it was a sob fest. We all just started crying. It was, it was like, un, just unbelievable. And then, you know, the day of the Super Bowl, you know, I had, I had friends that were coming into town, regardless if the Bucks were in it no or not. No matter what, yep. And, um, so I was able to surprise them with tickets to the game, um, and like, that's to me what it's being in, working in sports is all about, you know, is, providing these like once in a lifetime experiences for people and having my, my best friends really be able to attend the game with me um, was really special. And then, you know, obviously the, you know, we won and, and after the game, there was this secret, awesome blowout party um, and, you know, Ludacris and Migos performed and, you know, it was just so awesome. We I got to see surreal. people that I, I got to see people, too, that I hadn't seen that I work with since March, you know. Um, so, like, it was more of like, oh, my God, it's so great to see you. And right. can you believe that we just won the Super Bowl? It's like somebody um, you haven't seen in forever. Yeah, it's it's uh, I can't really put into words you know how great it was.
0: Can only imagine. And now going through and we're going to talk about the characteristics you're always looking for. But you and your team, you certainly bring a lot to the to the table every day. And I'm sure it was rewarding to see the excitement of the entire season last year and and really prove that hard work does pay off. And so, you know, I'll, I'll certainly give you and the team praise, just like I did last year when your, your boss and mentor, Ben Milson, was on 52 Weeks of Hustle. Regardless of team performance, the Bucs have had a great business culture. You've produced a ton of great results. And even during the so-called down seasons on the field, what do you feel like you and the team always did to really help set the standard in the
1: NFL? Well, you know, I think the, you know, on the business side, Ben and I really try and keep it really simple. Um, So we have these two filters. We try and like pour everything through and, um, it's selling tickets and growing careers. So if, you know, if we're doing something that's not going to do one or the other, we tend to figure that out pretty quick. And we, you know, don't put as much time on it or we, we quit doing it all together. Um, and I think the biggest thing is like, you know, they don't happen like growing careers doesn't happen without results. Right. Um, so we got to get the selling tickets thing right before, um, people are going to be able to advance in our company and, you know, throughout, throughout pro sports. Um, and I, and so we were just really like dead set and focused on, um, creating an environment where people can p- perform at a really high level without any, any excuses and, um, be able to achieve their, their dreams and their goals.
0: You know, and Dino, along those lines, you, know, you, you certainly see a lot of really successful leaders in our business that have come through your guys' leadership. And, you know, there's, there's always that thing, right. And, and we're going to get into, you've spent your, you know, a lot of your career majority of your career with the box, but some of the individuals that you've grown, developed and they've moved on to bigger and better things. And why is that always important to you to say, you know what, Hey, I'm not going to hold them back. I'm not going to hold somebody staying at, at a, a leader or a manager or an AE when I know there's, there's so much opportunity they can provide.
1: You know, that's a, that's a great question. I think, um, like it's, that's kind of a, it's kind of an easy, it's a, it's a joke like question actually. It's like, how do, like, <laughs> why do I not hold them back? Right. Like, right. Like there's no, you know, the biggest part is like, we're trying to hire A's, right. Yep. I don't want to hire B's, you know, we're trying to hire the very best people. And when, um, you know, people are doing their job at a really high level and they're becoming the person they're, they're, they're gonna get those opportunities. Those opportunities are gonna find them. So you really can't hold them back. And, you know, um, the, you know, like as a leader, you're trying to obviously um, hit your goals, right? So in the short term, you lose your top person, that is gonna hurt. But when you have 20, 40, 50 people at, at a time, you know, all working really hard to chase their dreams and they're seeing the, the results of other people's hard work and who they've become and, and, um, them being able to, to achieve those, um, as a collective whole, you're gonna, you're gonna crush it right? from a, you know, from a revenue perspective. From so, everything about it. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it, you you can't stop it if if that's if you're if you're truly hiring the best and you know, working as a team to to truly be the best in the business.
0: Well, you know, and you, you put on your recruiting hat, right? And it's like you're only getting A's, you gotta have confidence in yourself that you can replace them with other A's. Uh, and, and help grow and develop. And so, you know, going back to, to last year with the pandemic certainly brought some unique challenges from a selling and fan standpoint, and, you know, at the stadium, given we we're in Florida, you know, jokingly there, there wasn't much of a pandemic, but there wasn't a ton of office time. And so one of the few times everyone, you know, you mentioned this earlier, was really able to get together. You'd seen some people, you know, at the game of, of Super Bowl and then the victory parade. Walk us through that experience on the victory parade.
1: You know, similar to the, the after party, um, it was really the first time, well, this time in daylight that, you know, I spent with my staff in person um, and just to kind of paint the picture, like we couldn't have had any better weather. It was like mid-70s with no humidity and we rented out a, you know, big dinner yacht cruise ship um, for the entire business staff to, to be part of the parade um, and it just, you know, truly capped off an unbelievable season and year. Um, and for anyone who hasn't, you know, been on a boat in Tampa in February, you know, do it. Uh, <laughs> re- regardless if there's a parade going on at not, at, at, or not, it's you're going to have probably one of the most memorable days of, of your life. Um, so um, it, was, it was really just an epic, epic day. And like you said, it, it, it's been a fairy tale. Well, rumor
0: has it is you were the one that was going to throw the Lombardi Trophy from boat to boat, but you
1: decided to give it
0: to Brady. Is that true? Ha!
1: Yeah that they 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 haven't they haven't trusted me to to touch that thing yet.
0: <laughs> well, I always have to ask guests that are fortunate enough to win championships, and you know your rings coming here shortly. When you receive the ring, are you going to wear it?
1: You know, I I'm not much of a jewelry guy, but you know I think for select events or occasions. You know that first year, I'm definitely gonna I'm definitely gonna wear it. Um, it's uh, it, it from people that I've talked to that have had rings, they've all wished they 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 wore it more that first year.
2: We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed.
0: Again, we're here on 52 Weeks of Hustle. The guest today is Dino Anagnas, Vice President of Sales for the Tampa Bay Bucks. Dino, continuing on in your career in Tampa, you're heading into your 13th season. When you first started, you sold for eight months there in Tampa before getting into leadership. Why was leadership the right fit for you?
1: So to take it back, you know, when I first started in in the sports business um, selling for the Charlotte Bobcats, You know, my goals that I shared with uh, Jake Reed, who was my inside sales manager at the time, was to be a, you know, top performing sponsorship sales rep. Um, That was that was my dream. And, you know, once I started to have success as a salesperson, you know, people just naturally asked me for help. And, you know, management started to loop me into interviews and sales trainings of entry level people. And, you know, I remember a time. where I helped someone and, you know, I helped train that person and legit they said word for word what I taught them to say on an appointment and I was on the appointment with them and the person literally just pulled their credit card out. And I remember just being so fired up after that appointment, um, more so than any sale that I had made myself that year. And I remember thinking, you know, maybe I should give this, you know, what I thought at the time was babysitting, you know, um, management path, (laughs) more, more consideration. And, um, and after more and more experiences like that, um, I changed, I changed my goals and I changed my path. And um, that was a really big reason I came to Tampa um, was to work for Ben because, you know, I knew he believed in helping people um, grow their careers. And, he also had a track record already of doing it.
0: Absolutely. And so what advice do you have for listeners that are in sales roles now and what they be, sh- what they should be doing to better prepare themselves for that time that they get the call for leadership?
1: You know, so, you know, I've been able to um, help mentor a lot of, you know, people on other teams, you know, other organizations on this and, The first thing I tell people is to stop trying to prepare themselves. (laughs) Um, There's a million things you can do to get ready, but let's face it. Like you're never going to be really, 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 really ready until, you know, you're thrown into that fire. So my biggest advice for people is to, to manage their day um, as they would manage another sales rep. Um, You know, I think when you manage yourself first, um, you realize like, man, I'm not doing this. I'm not doing that. And by doing those things, you, you become someone else um, and you become someone that's more self-disciplined um, and, you know, someone that's going to follow through on the small little details when no one's watching. Um, and that inherently to me is more valuable when hiring a manager than if they read every Patrick Lencioni book <laughs> and, and posted what they learned on social media. Like, right. um, it's more about like who you are versus, you know, what you know.
0: And I think that's a ton of great advice. Cause it's like, you know, the, the old cliche saying lead by example, you know, you have to lead by example and it's, you know, you always challenge people. Hey, if you're going to be in the leadership chair tomorrow, what are people going to think of you? Are you the person that just you know, hasn't made 100 calls in a week, let alone in a day? How many appointments are you setting currently to, to truly lead that? And, you know, going into selling in difficult environments, and we've discussed this, that, you know, the team that you've always sold for hasn't been the greatest on the field. But and we've hit on this a little bit earlier too, the culture and the people that you've brought in and helped develop has been tremendous. Why has recruiting and training and ultimately development been so important for you and the organization?
1: Well, so selfishly, you know, it makes your job easier as a leader. Um, if things are being done correctly, you know, the customers are happy. There's well less, you know, work and drama on the back end for you as a manager. And um, also, you know, you can, if, if you have a, like a, a well-developed and trained staff, you can help out in other areas of the business too. Um, cross, you know, cross functionally, you can you can jump in a lot easier. And, um, you know, so ha- having a well trained, like, awesome, diverse, um, incredibly um, seasoned staff is its own is its own reward.
0: And to your point, selfishly, right, you can become a a much more well-rounded leader because you have the time and opportunity. You don't have to be in the weeds every little step of the way. And, you know, we've talked about top level talent. You've mentioned A-level talent, you know, the McDonald's All-American recruits. What are some of those key characteristics you're always looking for in those A-level talent people?
1: So, you know, I've listened to your your podcast a ton and a lot of us are all looking for the same thing. So I'm not going to go in. Uh, to detail about like the five key characteristics and, you know, all, all these things we, 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 we all blab on about all the time. I think, right. you know, one thing we've we've recently done um, when we are about to make a decision on a hire is to really sit down and ask ourselves a couple questions. And, you know, one of those one of them, I think it's really important is, you know, would I eventually work for this person one day? Um, could this person like be my boss? Um, and if the answer is no, we move on. Um, it's really as simple as that, you know, we're looking for A's again, not good enough, not B's. I think there's a a science to hiring at the end of the day that doesn't get to the heart of what we do. And, you know, can that person be influential? Um, you know, are they going to raise the the average level of effectiveness of the group as a whole. Um, And if your gut isn't sold on those answers, like you gotta, you gotta move on and, and, and and find someone else. Um, And I, I, I think anytime in my, in my history of being a manager where I didn't um, I didn't listen to my gut is where I, I made mistakes.
0: And I love that advice, right? Like you look at somebody, you're, you're going through them you're like, Will, could I work for this person? Will this person have the capabilities and the abilities to be my leader? And is it going to be respected? I love that advice. And, you know, Dino, certainly kudos to all your accomplishments. And, and many people, you know, to, to the point earlier of, of you being within the same organization, they don't necessarily get to stay and work their way up you are a great testimonial, but there are many more within the organization that continue continued to work their way up. And so what do you feel like the Tampa Bay Bucks have done to continue to promote internal growth and help you continue to grow, you know, there internally.
1: You know, I think for us, you know, the organization is ran, you know, very much like a small family owned business. And that technically is what it is. So, you know, the Glazer family has done a tremendous job of um, treating us all like family. And I, and I think they get the people thing right because they actually care. Um, they do the hard work of caring and that takes time. That takes their resources, pain, you know, um, and, and you tie all that into, you know, working in the NFL and living in Florida and it creates an environment for people that they want to stay there. Um, so I can't, I can't credit, you know, our senior leadership and our ownership enough of, you um, really like loving the, the, the staff as their
0: own family. Now, the, the family environment goes a long way. And, you know, as we continue down your career journey. So prior to getting the Tampa Bay Bucks, you'd mentioned you were there in Charlotte with the Bobcats as an inside sales and account executive, working with a former guest, uh, of 52 weeks of hustle, Jake Reed. What were some key learnings early on in your sports sales career that you still apply to your every day?
1: You know, I think one of the things I learned, um, from really everyone there, Jake, Mark Jackson, Mike Tolman, you know, is, is to treat every day. Like you're on a one day contract. Um, that might not be always feel like the healthiest way to go about it. But at the end of the day, like you'll sleep like a baby at night. I promise you, if you work every day, like you got to earn your job tomorrow and, um, That, you know, that removes any complacency you can, you can have. And I, I, I think that's been, you know, one thing that is, is always stuck with me from my time in Charlotte. And then another thing is like, you need to make, you need to make things happen. You know, um, I learned truly there that, you know, no, one's just going to pick you. You need to do the work. You need to get up early. You need to complete the project. You have to finish the book. You know, um, you got to put together that business plan, you know, you need to put yourself out there and be willing to, to fail. Um, and nothing is just going to happen for you. Um, so you gotta, you gotta make things happen on your own. And, um, I, I still every day, you know, feel like I need to do that, um, to, to, to continue to make a name for myself.
0: And great, you know, great advice there too, right? The one day contract, you know, every day you can't coach, you can't sit back and be like, well, I can come back tomorrow. Your spot might not be there tomorrow. What do you feel like you did on a consistent basis to help separate yourself and move up so quickly?
1: So I, I say this to my, my staff all the time and it's, it's you know, care, care more than other people think is cool. Um, I remember when I first started at the Bobcats, they had Dress Down Friday. Um, and people were allowed to wear jeans and a t-shirt um, and every Friday, you know I came suited and booted. Um, my colleagues didn't think that was cool. My bosses probably didn't think that was very cool. but you know if I had an opportunity to meet someone face to face that day and make a sale, um, I wasn't going to reschedule it because I had jeans on
2: you are and,
1: uh, and i and I, it was it was part of my plan to to maximize every day so Regardless of you know what other people thought was cool, you know I was going to care more um, than 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 that.
0: I mean that goes to show. Just like today, you're in a you know great great uh, sport coat and, and dress shirt, right? It's like in your you're working from home, like you've got to you know dress for the part that that you want, not the that you have.
1: Yeah, and another another thing that you know Mark Jackson, who who's been on your podcast too, yep. um, taught me you know. This is a now sort of famous saying is, you know, eat, eat the poop sandwich. Um, his language was, was a lot different uh, <laughs> back in 2008 and 2009. Um, but, you know, things aren't things are not going to go your way. You know, life isn't going to, you know, just lead you to this great this this great experience obstacle free. Um, so, you know, don't don't run away from those obstacles, you know, work through them. That's where, you know, all the opportunities and successes lie. Um, and I, you know, I say this all the time, the, the, the magic you're looking for is the, is in the work you're, tr- you're trying to avoid. Um, and let me say that again, the magic you are looking for is in the work you are trying to avoid and you got to eat the poop sandwich.
0: Yeah. I love it. Love it. Right. Yeah. And so you, know, you, you mentioned this early on, your first career move out of college was, was selling advertisement for an NBC affiliate there in, in, you know, Flint, Michigan, right, right outside where you grew up in Saginaw. How did that role compare to when you ultimately got into the ticket sales world?
1: You know, um, it was, it was interesting cause we were, you know, we were the second worst TV market in the United States for dollars spent per household. Um, and we were the number three station in the market. So talk about like a rough sales job. Um, I think the biggest takeaway from that experience um, really that, that translated well into sports and ticket sales was from a B2B perspective. You know, you have to come up with a solution for people's problems. Um, and in, in a really tough environment like that, you have to learn how to ask you know, ask for appointments, ask for sales. Um, and Some of it
0: just the X's and O's, you know.
1: Yeah, just just the basic stuff. It it was um it was a really it was a really great experience from from how tough it was.
0: And I assume you, you learned a ton about just that value proposition and what you're ultimately can provide to any of those customers. And, you know, you mentioned early on when we talked about your, your personal and, and your, your kind of ups and downs as you're selling at the TV station. When you get diagnosed with cancer, you decide that passion for sports is there and you're going to pursue it. And we talk a lot about relationships and you had an Uncle Lou. So walk the listeners through who Uncle Lou is and, and ultimately how you got connected uh, with another former 52 Weeks of Hustle guest.
1: Yeah, so, you know, growing up as a, a Greek kid from Saginaw, Michigan, I had a lot of uncles um, <laughs> and my Uncle Lou Economou, he's truly a, a great man. Um, he was a s- extremely well-educated superintendent of the school system in my hometown um, and just very Very well respected in the community, Um, and he he was a really big guy, and he he used to always brag to me about his nephew um, who was doing all these great things in the sports business. And a lot of times, like, yeah, whatever, Uncle Lou, whatever, Uncle Lou, you know. And uh, um, well, it turns out his nephew, you know, was Greg Akademu, who who at the time was a chief marketing officer for the Charlotte Bobcats. So, you know, once I got through my um, cancer treatments, I sent him a letter with my resume um, and the rest is sort of history. That's awesome. And,
0: you know, certainly I've had Greg on the show and, and definitely a, a great person to, to look up to and to be a mentor. And, you know, so as as you're growing up there in Saginaw, Michigan, you're an athlete, you have two brothers, a twin sister. So was a competitive nature pretty much instilled in you early on?
1: You know, absolutely. I think, um, I think there's no chance that I would be where I'm at today if it wasn't for my entire family, especially my, my siblings. Um, I was actually the only sibling who didn't play college sports. Um, so to say we were competitive is an understatement. Um, you know, having two older brothers that were much older than me, too, um, and they were sort of legends in my hometown athletically, um it was really like something to be a part of Makes um to yeah and you know i, I tell everyone i i learn more from their mistakes as i did you know their successes yep. um but we're like we're over the top competitive and just about everything um and i i think it it just trained me to really hate to lose um so i you know again, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be who I am if it wasn't for for my siblings.
0: Is there still a lot of competition that goes on at the family gatherings even today?
1: Everything. I mean, (laughs) it's, there's always a, there's always a board game being played or a, you know, whether it's cornhole or it it doesn't, it doesn't matter. And it doesn't stop. Um, I have a niece and nephew who are, you know, it just, I think it's in the genetics. Like they're, they're really young, but you know, we're playing soccer in the backyard and, Yep. I felt like my 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 shirt getting pulled, you know, <laughs> it's, it's like it's, it's there, you know, and, uh, you can't, I think, I think that's, that's a big part of who we are. That's awesome. Well, you know, after growing up and you were
0: certainly a, a big athlete in high school, you go on to receive a degree at central Michigan in English
1: advertising
0: and marketing.
1: what did you originally want to do? So the dream in, in college was, um, you know i wanted to i wanted to write television commercials i wanted to write the commercials in the super bowl yeah um, and once i started down that path and spent a lot of time writing the commercials for the tv station you know i realized that when i was writing those commercials i was alone and most of the creative control was given to you know the owners of the businesses that um were paying the money to make the ads so um but when i like made a sale um the hair on the back of my neck stood up, um, and that's the big reason why I was like, "I need to, I need to be in sales." And if I'm gonna be in sales, I need to sell what I'm passionate about. And that wasn't the morning news or the Ellen DeGeneres show. It was, you know, it was sports. Um, so that's how I kind of. Moved into the, the sporting world. Yeah, came full circle. Well,
0: you know what a great career. Certainly a fun conversation. And you know, outside of the Super Bowl win, what has been your best memory in your career?
1: You know, it, that's a that's a that's a tough question. Um, you know, there's been so many great ones, um, but I think you know, um, they kind of all blend together, and it's when you know you get that text or that you know, that email or, you know, that phone call from someone on your staff that, um, you know, got their dream job. Um, And, you know, they've, they've, they've taken that, that's that next step, whether that's with the Bucks or with it's with a different team. I think, you know, those are the memories that I'll, I'll cherish the most. Um, You know, I try and take when I can take people to dinner um, before they leave town and, um, or, you know, you know, when I got promoted and when people have gotten promoted internally, it's taking them out, telling them at dinner. Um, so just those, those type of celebrations I think are, are, are what I'll, what I'll remember the most and have been, have been my fondest memories.
0: And it all comes back to that family environment, that family atmosphere that, that you've certainly created in your career. And so awesome Dino to, to close it out. I like to put our guests on the hustle hot seat. So you ready for this. Yep. All righty. Well, I know you're a big dog guy. So, if you could be any breed of dog, what would you be?
1: Definitely a Bernedoodle. Um, so I have a I have a two year old Bernedoodle. I was gonna baby. say, if
0: you follow you, if any of these listeners follow you on Instagram, you'll see a lot of them.
1: Yeah, uh, dude, pretty much sleeps all day. And <laughs> um, when he walks around the neighborhood, he's basically a celebrity. Um, he gets all the, the attention in the world. Um, and he, you know, he's such a, just fun, loving, um, sweet, sweet guy. So definitely a, uh, a, a doodle. Nice.
0: What's your favorite item you've purchased, you know, in the past
1: year? Um, that's a, that's a pretty easy one. So I, I, I bought a membership to a country club, um, here in the area. Um, I'm truly obsessed, um, with trying to lower my handicap in golf. <laughs> and it's that a competitive nature it's a crazy uh test of right now for me about obsessing about the process and not the results um i can preach it all day long um uh, <laughs> but so it's been it's been it's been really challenging um and but i you know i believe that my my low round is out there i truly believe it it's coming it's coming soon Sure. We,
0: we, we talked earlier about the boating life and you, you gave all the listeners that make sure you get out on a boat in Tampa. So given that boating life in Tampa, what would you name your boat? Uh, lefty. There we go. Well, you know, what are three key takeaways you'd give every listener to be in your shoes one day?
1: Um, you know, I think number one is care, care more than other people think is cool. Um, number two is, you know, the magic that you're looking for is in the work you're trying to avoid. And number three is believe in the yet. That's awesome. Uh Go ahead. I'm not, I'm not working in sports yet. You know, I'm not a manager yet. I'm not where I want to be yet. Um, just believe in the yet and work like hell to become um, the person who can make your, your dreams come true. And I promise it'll, it'll happen for you.
0: It's great. You know, to your point, care more magic is in the work and belief, believe in everything you do. Well, you know, again, I appreciate the vulnerability and it's been so fun talking about your personal and professional journey. You've certainly had a distinguished career and I appreciate what you've done for the business and certainly our friendship. So thanks so much for your time and expertise.
1: Thanks, man. Great. To talk again, to you.
0: Again, this is Travis Apple. Thank you for listening to 52 Weeks of Hustle. Please be sure to follow the podcast on Twitter and Instagram. We'll be back next week with another industry leader. Have a great week.
2: This is the story of the one